the next few moments, what I'd like to do is just share with you briefly from a passage of Scripture that is an iconic Christmas passage. Whether you know the Bible well or not, you've heard these words. You maybe didn't know exactly where they were from in the Bible, or you might have it memorized. But in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, we read these words, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. 700 years before God sent his son Jesus on that first Christmas, God had the prophet Isaiah make this announcement because he wanted everybody to be ready for what is really the greatest gift that we could ever receive and the greatest gift God has ever given humanity. It may interest you to know that 40 times in the New Testament, Jesus is called a gift. At Christmas, we give gifts because God gave us the greatest gift of all, the gift of his son. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 15, we read this, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Words can't, can't really adequately express what God did for us in sending his son Jesus to us. An incredible gift. And that's why we give gifts. And that's why at James River, we have what we call the season of giving. And because of the generosity of the James River congregation, we are literally helping thousands of people. This week, we'll be giving gifts to almost 1,400 kids and doing assemblies at different schools. And, and we're giving, helping people in a variety of ways. And even during the James River Christmas, at every campus, we're selecting families and just trying to encourage them and love on them. So would you like to help me give a gift today? Come on. I'm going to ask Elizabeth Gaddis to come out here on the platform. Hi, Elizabeth. Come on, let's welcome Elizabeth. Elizabeth has attended James River for quite some time, and she's adopted two kids, which is so awesome. So, uh, Elizabeth, we know this. We know that, you know, as a single mom, we know there are challenges, and you've got such a big heart. And when you adopted those kids, we just applaud that and we celebrate uh, your love for them because it's an expression of the Father's love. And at the same time, we want you to know how much God loves you because he put you on our hearts. And so we want to do something for you. We've got a 2017 <laughs> Nissan Sentra for you. <laughs> And so here's the keys to your car. And we know this, we know you gotta buy gifts and you've got things you need. And so here is a card. It's from the Lord, it's from James River Church, and there's $1,000 in it. So come on, let's give her a big <laughs> That's so awesome. <laughs> Isn't that the best? It's so great to give gifts, especially when you know it's not only something people want, it's something they need. 
That's what makes a gift like over the top awesome. And you know, on that first Christmas, that's exactly what God did. God not only gave us a gift, in fact, he gave us a gift that once we understand what it is, we'd want it. But he gave it because he especially knew we needed it. And what Isaiah does is Isaiah is telling us about this gift. Isaiah describes this indescribable gift by, by using four names to describe what Jesus is going to be like. The first name that he gives us is he shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Sometimes we move past wonderful as an adjective and we just go straight to the counselor and, and we're like, oh, he's going to be a really great counselor. Isn't that wonderful? He's such a good counselor. Maybe you ask somebody, hey, I need to see a counselor. Do you know anybody? Oh, I know a really wonderful counselor. No, when we're talking about Jesus as the wonderful counselor, really in the Hebrew, the word is miraculous counselor. He's a miracle working counselor. He's the kind of counselor that not only can help you to know what you need to do, but can empower you to actually do it. It's one thing if the counselor says, well, you need to do this, but it's a whole other thing if all of a sudden that counselor is able to give you power you didn't have before to carry out the counsel that's going to change your situation. He's the wonderful counselor. He's a miracle-working counselor. He's the one who can put things back together that you thought were irreparably broken. He's the one who's able to restore beyond what you can imagine. He's a miracle-working counselor. He's a God who's able to give us supernatural insight into the problems of life to provide us solutions that will change our life. I don't know what kind of problem you're facing today. I just know that there is a miracle working counselor in the house who can change your life and God gives them to you and I as a gift. Isn't that incredible? Man, if we just stop there, that would be awesome, huh? A miracle working counselor. Because one of the things we've talked about is whenever God gives us an instruction or a command, always with it is the power to do it. He doesn't just tell us to do something, but he empowers us to do it. He's a miracle working counselor. Second, he'll be called the mighty God, the mighty God, El Gibor. It, it's the warrior God, really. So one who fights for us. Maybe you never thought of Jesus that way. You've thought of him as meek and mild. Let me tell you, whatever you thought of Jesus, he was humble, he was gentle, but he was strong. He came as a lamb, as a sacrifice, the lamb being a picture of a sacrifice, but he's also the lion of the tribe of Judah. And when it says he's the mighty God, think of it this way. He's the champion. He is the warrior. He's not only the warrior, he's the winner. He's the one who makes it right. He is the one who wins the battle. He's the one who not only fights his battles, but fights your and my battles. And we desperately needed that. He fought the biggest battles you and I face. 
The battles against sin, which separates us from God and makes it impossible for us to know eternity with God. He fought that battle on the cross. He bore our sin, though he had no sin. He took our sin on himself, and he bore the penalty for our sin that you and I might know forgiveness. He was strong on the cross. He fought the battle against death. When he died, he tasted eternal death for you and I, that you and I might know eternal life. When he was resurrected, he conquered death so that you and I don't have to fear it. The writer of Hebrews says he conquered the one who controlled death, that is the devil. He defeated death, hell, and the grave, and sin. He is the victor. He is the champion. He is the mighty God. Wow. Miraculous counselor. Mighty God. The God big enough, strong enough to do anything. Personal enough to know you, and not only know you, but listen to this, the next name, Everlasting Father. You say, what's that saying? Well, you know, we understand God is revealed to us in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's not saying Jesus is the Father, it's saying he's like a father. Like a father in what way? Whatever you picture as the perfect father, that's him. To provide, to love, to comfort, to encourage. He is, he is the encourager. He is the provider. He's the one who's watching over you, cares for you, aware of you. In fact, the Bible says he delights in every detail of our lives. I don't know whether you believe that or not. Honestly, it doesn't matter whether you do. It's true whether you do or not. Maybe you've never heard that. God cares about the details of your life. And, and when it says he's everlasting, it means he'll never stop caring. When it talks about him being a father, he's good. The Bible says you are good and you do good. And he desires to do good in your life. Anytime you and I open our life, anytime you and I receive the gift that God has given we are going to, with that gift, receive the goodness of God in our life to a degree and a measure you and I could never possibly imagine. Finally, and I love this, he's the prince of peace. He's a prince. He's a ruler. He's actually the king of kings. The real question is, how is he going to rule? What is his rule going to be like? Can I just tell you, it's not going to be a rule of brute force. It's going to be a rule of amazing peace. And peace, not like the world defines it. The world, the best the world can come up with when we think of peace is the absence of conflict. But when God thinks of peace, it's not the absence of something. It's the presence of someone. He's the prince of peace, the prince of the Hebrew word shalom. And shalom has less to do with an absence of conflict than it does the presence of the following things. The presence of, of blessing spiritually, emotionally, relationally, financially. 
That God says, I want to work in every aspect of your life, every area of your life, every sphere of your life, because I want to bring a wholeness, and I want to do good in your life, and I want to help you in all the areas you need help, because I want people to see what, how good I am by seeing how good I am to you. Have you ever seen somebody and you watch their life and you said, you know what, the hand of God is on them and it was obvious. You could tell God was with them. And then you begin to watch their life and you begin to think, man, it just seems you can just tell God is with them. You can tell God helps them. You can tell God goes before them. And, and all of a sudden you're like, man, I wish God would be that way with me. But a lot of people stop there and say, but I doubt he ever would be. And that's not true at all. He delights to do good in the lives of people. And none of us are perfect, so he starts with imperfect people who have a variety of situations and circumstances that often are beyond their ability to resolve. And what he does is he brings his miraculous counsel, his heroic power, his everlasting fatherly love, and his rulership of peace. And he changes our life and makes it something we never thought it could be. That's why he is the greatest, most indescribable gift we could ever receive. And God offers him to you at Christmas. You say, well, well I mean, that's all great, but what does that look like in a life? Aaron and Shelley Meadows met the Lord two years ago, and their story is unbelievable. Watch what he did for them. Hi, my name is Aaron. This is my wife, Shelly, and we attend the South Campus. Aaron and I met at a ugly sweater party. She's like, you mind taking a picture with me? And I was like, of course. <laughs> so she kind of leans up on me, and I, I whisper in her ear, I remember saying, you don't ever have to leave. It was so cheesy, but <laughs> Very cheesy. but but it, it worked because she never left. Within six months, we were married and found out we were pregnant, and just our whole journey started there. I'm definitely not prepared to raise a family. I wasn't very honest with her. I was living a, a, a second life. Um, I was telling her one thing but I was like doing drugs on the side, not telling her what I was doing. I got a job as a truck driver and I ended up being on the road all the time. It made it easier to live for myself, to live a double life and, and keep things from her. So everything that I wanted to do, I did. From day one of our marriage, I brought in this emptiness, this void that I've been carrying all of my life. So I projected all of that hurt, that anger on Shelly. He was very angry all the time. We were constantly at each other's throats, just arguing all the time. I couldn't do anything right. The relationship wasn't right. The cleaning wasn't right. Raising the kids wasn't right. It would just go from one thing to the next to the next. I was unfaithful to my wife. At this point, I was having an emotional affair with a woman that I'd known years prior. It started over a Facebook message. That progressed into spending time with her in secret. One night, we were both home, and I overheard him on the phone with another woman, and that's when I knew. It made me feel like I was worthless. It made me feel like it doesn't matter what I do for him. I'm never going to be good enough. And then it 
It made me angry because my older son was watching this. He could see it. He saw every last thing that he was doing, how he was treating me, how he was talking to me. And I didn't want my son to turn into him. I think that was my biggest fear. I finally was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I mentally, physically, I just, I'm exhausted. And I told him, I, I actually told him that he needed to go and he needed to not come back. I felt like I lost everything. And at the same time, we had a house fire and the house fire took everything away from us. I lost my house, everything we worked for. I was losing my wife and I felt like I had nothing left. I didn't know where to turn to. Everything was falling apart. I needed a change. I heard about James River Church and I knew I needed to go. I was just approached by so many smiling faces and making my way to my seat. It just, I felt at home. Pastor John was preaching and God was really speaking directly to me. I didn't have anything left. I had tried everything and what I can do. I needed to give my heart to him. I needed to give my life to him. I remember Pastor John doing an altar call. I raised my hand, got up, and as I'm walking down, the weight of everything that was going on in my life as I'm walking forward is just falling off. That same day, I decided to get baptized because I didn't want to wait. I saw a change in him immediately. I was like, I want that. I want what he is having. Just two weeks later, gave my heart to Christ. Um, got baptized the same day. Everything has changed. Our marriage is restored. There's joy in the family and there's peace in the home now. And our children are now serving the Lord as well. And the anxiety is gone. The control is gone. The void that I tried to fill so many years is gone. You can search and search all you want. You can try to find peace within material things, with relationships, and you'll never ever find it without Jesus in your life. And we're living proof of that. Serving Jesus is the best decision we have ever made. Isn't that incredible? Now I want you to think about something just for a moment. We're gonna, we're gonna wrap up here in a second. But I want you to think about this. So you have a guy who's living a double life. He's been using drugs as a lifestyle. He's lost financially. He's lost his house. He's losing his marriage. He, he feels he's lost everything. What are you going to tell him? What's the one thing that's going to make a difference in his life? You know what made the difference in Aaron's life? Hey, Aaron. There's a gift God wants to give you. The name of the gift is Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And Aaron, by the way, he can do what you could never in a million years do on your own. You say, oh, that just sounds way too simple, John. That's, that's where I turn off because I, I can't buy that. Do you know what the Bible says about that gift? Paul puts it this way, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. What's the gospel? It's the good news. I'm not ashamed of it because it is the power of salvation or deliverance for everyone who believes. In other words, inherent in receiving that gift 
of the gospel, believing that good news. All you have to do is believe, and all of a sudden, it unlocks that power of God in your life as God begins to work in your life, because believing is opening your heart to him, and it will radically, wonderfully, miraculously change your life. I mean, now I've been doing this now almost 40 years. I've watched it over and over and over again. Somebody asked me, what's your favorite thing to watch? The favorite thing, what's your favorite thing about the ministry? It's watching people in that moment take a step of faith and say, I believe, and watching God in a minute, in a, in a moment, miraculously transform their life. It starts instantly. It's amazing. It's the greatest miracle there is. It's a gift. It's a gift maybe today you've never taken hold of. You know, I think of Elizabeth, and I think of this car. It's a beautiful car. She really needs the car. But here's the deal. We're willing to offer you, all of us, offer her a gift. If she says, you know what, I, I just don't know. I don't know, are you really going to give me a gift? Will the gift really be that great? I'm just not sure. I'm not sure that I want to come up on the platform. I'm not all the reasons people can give for why they wouldn't want to receive the gift. I'm just not sure. I believe it. I'm not sure it'll make a difference. Listen, we can want to give it, but until she receives it, the gift's not going to make a difference for her. God wants to give you the greatest gift that any man, woman, boy, or girl will ever receive in your life. It's a life-changing gift. It's a miraculous gift. It's a gift that will make everything different in your life. And my question for you at Christmas, when we talk about all the gifts and all of that's fine, is have you received the greatest gift of all? Have you received the gift that is really the reason why we give all the other gifts. Because unless you've received that gift, all the other gifts will ultimately make zero difference in your life. This car will rust. This car will wear out. This car will not last. The gift God gives only gets better with time. Only is more wonderful as the days and the weeks and the months and the years go by. And unless you receive that gift, you really don't. No matter what you do to celebrate Christmas, you really are not celebrating the heart of what Christmas is all about. That's why in front of all of our campuses, we've got the Christmas tree and right beside it, Jesus. Because I'm all for the festivity of Christmas, but without Jesus, it means nothing. I don't care what warm feeling it gives you momentarily. When you have Jesus, it changes your heart forever.